Well, no, they had 10 when I came on. So in four years, we added, we doubled in size. We're excited about disrupting the marketplace, Marlon. I love disrupting. We, we, we are disruptors, <laughs> there's no doubt about it. Dr. Katie Wilson, welcome back to the Nexa podcast, because a lot of people that may be watching this also may not even understand the power and the value of dollars in school districts. Everybody wants to be in front of the urban school for life, right? We're the largest 19 districts in the country. I feel like there's a trend among you, among you directors. You guys are retired, but you never really retire. Dr. Katie Wilson, welcome back to the Nexa podcast. I had you on um, a few episodes ago, and it was the first time that we did our street cred session, I guess you could say. And you just took it and you ran with it, all right? So real quick, just kind of touch on who you are, because if you want to learn more about Katie, you need to watch the other podcast. But give us a quick intro, and then we're going to talk about Urban School Food Alliance and the street cred with you guys there. All right, thanks Marlon and thanks for having me on again for another podcast. But I'm Dr. Katie Wilson and I'm the Executive Director for the Urban School Food Alliance. Okay, and give me some of your background, a little well, bit. <laughs> my, yes, my, my background is in school nutrition for just about 40 years now. Mm -hmm. As a school nutrition director, the Executive Director for the Institute of Child Nutrition for five years, then Deputy Undersecretary for USDA for Food Nutrition Services in the Obama administration. I did that for two years, was very honored to serve um, and now with the Urban School Food Alliance as the first executive director and the first paid staff member. All right, so tell me about the Urban School Food Alliance. When did you guys get started? Why all that? The Urban School Food Alliance um, was started in 2012, and it was the six largest districts in the country. Uh, and those directors came together and they thought, you know, we can do better together. If we lift up our collective voice, we can do better for students. And so, you know, kudos to them for coming together. They had their full-time jobs, and they came together and they decided to form this nonprofit. So we are a 5013C. And they formed the nonprofit with the mission of trans using our collective voice to transform school meals. And they um, would meet periodically. And the very first thing they did, just the six largest districts in the country, uh, the very first thing they did was decide what can we do to get rid of all the styrofoam trays that we're using in our school districts. Now, a lot of these districts don't have facilities to do washing of dishes. And so that wasn't always the answer. And so they came together and they wrote a specification for a compostable round plate, which, you know, when you're at home, you don't eat in a square tray. You have a plate. And so that was another part of that concept. And it has a square in the middle for the milk carton, which was useful and conducive to school meals. And they came together and they, they came up with this specification. And then because of their collective buying power, they were able to reduce the price, which made it doable for school meals. You can't go from a three or four cent styrofoam tray to 27 or 28 cent plate, right? Yeah. So, but collectively they reduced the price so that it was doable. And then what happened is because they uh, found a company here in the US, it was up in Maine that was ready to produce that plate. Because of their collective pur purchasing, they reduced the price and then it was open to anybody in the school food service marketplace. And we now see that plate at food shows uh, and other events because now they're promoting it in school meals. So is the biggest strength of the Urban School Food Line to just the mass size of the districts and the buying power that comes along with it? The buying power is definitely the, the um, power of the food service, uh, the Urban School Food Alliance, because right now we have 19 districts as members. We went from six to 19. In how long? In four years. Okay. So we've grown very quickly. It's pretty quick. Um, <laughs> And so, uh, well, no, they had 10 when I came on it. So in four years, we added, we doubled in size in 10 years, uh, for the last four years. 
Um, but yes, I mean, we have over a billion dollars collectively that they spend. We do not do any buying. Mm -hmm. They still do all their own procuring, all their own bids. But collectively, they have over a billion dollars in spend, and people will stop and listen mm -hmm. when you talk about that kind of volume. Yeah. When we can fill a production plant that's making a round plate three shifts a day, then that is a collective buying power. It is. And it does make a difference to transform school meals. It does. And I, I like hearing you talk about dollars because a lot of people that may be watching this also may not even understand the power and the value of dollars in school districts because these programs, these school nutrition programs run as businesses. And you have some of the largest businesses in the country. I mean, nobody's feeding more mouths than like LA Unified in that community or Miami Dade or those districts. Like it's all about the, the school districts and the, the school nutrition programs there. Yeah. Well, and we are the largest restaurant in the country, mm -hmm. school nutrition programs nationwide. Yeah. The Alliance alone right now serves, uh, I think about 4.3 million children a day. 4.3 million children. A day. And that's breakfast, lunch, after school snack, maybe a supper program. So we're talking about a lot of food. Yeah. Um, we're talking about warehouses. We were just visiting the LA Unified School District in California for one of our meetings, and their warehouse is just football fields long. Mm -hmm. It is a city within itself yeah. and a system within itself. I felt like I was at an Amazon facility or something. It is. It is an amazing <laughs> facility. Huge. They have amazing, you know, a, an amazing infrastructure there. Uh, they're the hub of the community. They're, mm -hmm. they're the food hub for sure. We saw that during COVID where these school districts opened their doors and fed families. Yeah. Not just the students they serve, but the entire family. Yeah. And they switched overnight from the way they distributed food to curbside distribution, mm -hmm. which was amazing as well. Yeah. Um, Some so of your districts were even uh, working with Amazon to deliver food to families at home. They were working with Seattle. Amazon. They were working, Dallas, Texas worked with the city bus system mm -hmm. and put a, an employee on the city bus yeah. so that at every city bus stop there was food for families. Yeah. Uh, so they did some amazing work because they are the hub of the community. They are. And yes, they're big, but they're also some of the most intelligent directors that you will find out there. You know, when you talk about street cred, Marlon, I mm. tell everybody, you don't get these jobs in these large districts without some street cred. Yeah. <laughs> these folks, they have been in restaurant and food service management. They've been in hotel restaurant management. Mm -hmm. They have done resorts. They have done, you name it, they've been involved in it. Yeah. Institutional food service of all kinds. Um, and they come to their jobs highly, highly uh, experienced, mm -hmm. education, and a lot of street cred to a make lot. this happen. A so, lot. Yeah. So what, what else happened after the, um, the first project with Urban School Food Alliance and the trays? So they began to grow. Mm -hmm. And again, those volunteer directors with their full-time jobs <laughs> ran this organization for seven years. Yeah. Um, and they grew to 10 districts, mm -hmm. which was amazing. Okay. Um, and so then at that point, they, they kept thinking there's got to be another way. They tried all different ways of doing sort of common bids, collective bids. Mm -hmm. It is very, very difficult to do across straight state lines, and they yeah. found that out. Yeah. Um, and they were still doing their full-time jobs. But they just kept doing it, and they kept trying to voice who they were. They had a strong voice on the Hill saying, this is what happens when things what we need in school nutrition mm -hmm. to make it realistic. Yeah. When advocacy groups who mean very well have really good ideas, but sometimes it's not real practical. And when you talk about these districts, I'll never forget one of the district directors saying to me, Katie, we have a strong farm to school program, but let me tell you the story of a fresh pear 
from the moment I think about putting a fresh pair on a tray mm -hmm. in one of these major districts, what that takes and how fresh is it when it finally gets to the tray. And it's amazing. So they have to go through all these different layers to make that pear still fresh yeah. when it gets on the tray. Not that they don't want to put it there, but what happens to get it we there? We could do a whole episode on that. You would, <laughs> and, and you would have an amazing journey on that, of that pear. So, it, <clears throat> you know, just the, and that's why we, you have to have 50,000 enrolled students or larger to be a member. They have to pay a membership dues each year. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason why we have 50,000 is because their challenges are so unique. So 2019 came along, they were still running this organization, doing a great job, had 10 districts on board, and they decided it's time. We need outside staff, we need help. If we're really gonna make this work, they had their vision, they mm -hmm. knew what they wanted to do, but when you're working another full-time job at that level, yeah. it's pretty hard. And so that's when they decided, and they came together and thought, we just need a, a full-time staff member. They also had Josh Wax from Wax Strategies working with them. Mm -hmm who's you know, a strategic planning kind of a guy, and yeah. he helps you think things through and visionary. And with him they, and with WAC Strategies, they really thought through what's the next step, and that was hiring someone, an executive director. And then you showed up. So I, they <laughs> called, I got a phone call. What do you think? I had to retire twice. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, okay. Third time's a charm. Third time's a charm. But I knew they had a vision. You know, I knew them in school nutrition, we know each other. Yeah. And I knew them, I knew, I'd helped them along the way, I'd given them some ideas and some opinions along the way. So I knew who they were, and I knew that they were passionate and they wanted something different. Yeah. And so I really thought to myself, you know, this is a voice, and it potentially could really be a voice, mm -hmm. with a little more structure and a little more, uh, little more strength, a few more districts. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I jumped in with both feet, and I was honored to be invited to be a part of this. Um, went through the interview process, and I'll tell you what, Marlon, I sat at that table with those six founding members, and I've never been so nervous in all my life. Um, more nervous than the USDA meeting? More nervous it, or than interview? the USDA. <laughs> more nervous than the USDA meeting. Um, it was really something else to think that I didn't have experience in a district that size, yeah. and yet they still thought enough of me to ask me to come and be a part of this interview process. Yeah. And then I wanted it. I wanted it really bad because I knew we could do something with this organization. And their passion just shined through. Um, and so I was just very honored when I was selected to be the executive director. Uh, and it started in Orlando. Yeah. The first face-to-face -face meeting, we decided to have a face-to-face -face meeting for just them, not with another organization uh, facilitating it, but uh -huh. us. Yeah. Um, and then we had to have a strategic plan uh, and I knew that there had to be transparency in membership mm. because what those members did, and it wasn't wrong, but they went online and found a set of bylaws, right? Yeah. This will yeah. work for us for now. Let's yeah. get started. But the membership needed more. And if you're going to ask them to pay membership dues, they have to have more. And they have to have more opportunities to be part of the leadership. Mm -hmm. And so we did that. And we used our first face-to-face -face membership in Orlando. And I about killed them because <laughs> we went from 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. Oh, my gosh. Because we, in between the learning and the content, we added in, we hired Commonality, a, a woman-led group that does strategic planning. Yeah. And we did a very unique kind of strategic planning where we involved every single member that wanted to be a part of that uh, planning process because and the funders because we knew they had to have a voice yeah. in what this organization was going to be yeah. if we were going to grow the organization. Mm -hmm. And we were exhausted, but it worked. So we came up with a great set of bylaws that the membership had 100% input in. And then we started to roll. Yeah.
So what, why do these districts want to sign up? Like, what's the value for them to become a member? Because they're, they're paying to be part of USFA, but why? They absolutely have to pay their membership dues. We also make them be actively involved. It's a small organization, so you mm -hmm. don't get to just be a member and come yeah. to the meetings. Uh, the number one we th thing we hear over and over and over again is the camaraderie between districts of the similar size. If they have a superintendent or school board that says, look, I really want to know what other major districts are doing in this area, mm -hmm. whether it's HR, procurement, whatever, uh, breakfast in the classroom, anything, yeah. farm to school, they can call us and within 48 hours we'll have answers for them Great. from their other peers. We have monthly phone calls and they are on those phone calls. It's shocking how many come on those call phone calls every month. We sort of have themes, but at the end of the call, they get to put out there whatever they want. What's concerning you? What are you doing about this? Really good example is food trucks. Mm. They all started to buy food trucks. Well, why reinvent the wheel? Orlando was kind of a leader in that. Yeah. So we came here for our first face-to-face -face meeting, February of 2019, right before, or 2020, right before um, COVID hit. Mm -hmm. She had all her blueprints ready to go. They had their food truck there for them to tour. And so they didn't have to reinvent it. They yeah. took her blueprints and they ran with it. Yeah. So it really is that camaraderie between very unique situations in their districts. And they can get answers very quickly. Another thing we offer is we have OFW law firm. We do not lobby, but we educate on legislation. We get legislation, possibilities, things that are coming off the hill, hot off the press from Roger Shamurai. He is knowledgeable, he knows what's going on, and we know right away what's going on. Um, another thing is that USDA uses us as a sounding board. These are the experts in the field, and I thank them for that, because again, advocacy groups, it's great, but if you don't have a food service director at the table, your ideas don't go very far if there's no logistics to it. Yeah. So USDA will call and say, here's what we're proposing, here's what we're thinking, what do you all think? And our members really appreciate having that voice at the table. Yep, I'm sure they do. So what's the next big thing that you guys are working on? Or what, what are you excited about? Well, we're excited about disrupting the marketplace, Marla. I love disrupting. We, we, we are disruptors, <laughs> there's no doubt about it. We did a great big project that took us almost two years on chicken, mm -hmm. where we're really looking at how do we, there's a lot of conversation about letting small um, processors, producers, minority processors, producers, they want in, and the institutional food service system is where it is. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's a lot of talk, but mm -hmm. we need action. Mm -hmm. How do they get in? And so we worked on this chicken pilot. We were very excited about it. We learned a lot. The goal was to let smaller processors in the door, let them know how the process works. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other piece was we were committed to the volume we promised. And in school nutrition, that's not always the case. You'll hear from the vendors. You've got to buy what you bid. That's what a business deal is. And we did that. We promised a, a volume and we bought it. And uh, even through challenges and, and blips along the way, um, it was great. And we disrupted that market. We wrote the specification. It's our product now. <laughs> and people are going to see it again with our logo on the box. That's awesome. Uh, and so, again, part of that is to reduce the number of products. Yeah. If you're going to do a chicken product, which is a very popular protein item, we don't need 500 different specifications. Yeah. We need a good one with a clean label, mm. with good nutritional value, um, you know, lower in calories and, and sodium and all the things yeah. we're looking for. And so we're going to put that specification back out again. In a, but we're learning, so we've assessed the project. Mm -hmm. We'll put it back out again. We'll do some fixing and some 
evaluating and monitoring of it. Yeah. Maybe some changes. Do it a little bit differently in the business perspective of it. Because we learned through that too, what's the best business perspective of all of that. Mm -hmm. But that's what disruption is all about. Um, and now we just were awarded a very large three-year cooperative agreement with the USDA. We're honored once again to lead disruption and procurement practices. Yeah. We must fix this if we're going to be better business partners. Well, I've heard you say a few times that school districts have to be better customers. And I love the fact that you guys, like you, you did exactly what you said everybody needs to do by being a good customer and by buying what you said you were going to buy. So that's pretty awesome. You know, and there were mistakes along the way. Yeah. Um, and some of them were ours. Some of them were the process we went through. Um, but again, yeah, it's the volume. Mm -hmm. And there are mistakes. Yeah. And everybody can make a mistake. But yeah. when you're committed to producing over a million pounds of product for us, mm -hmm. we're going to buy that product. Yeah. And we'll fix the system and try again, right? Yeah. Um, nobody was doing anything facetiously trying to do yeah. something behind closed doors. Yeah. Mistakes happened because it was a new process. Mm -hmm. But that in our cooperative agreement with USDA, that's where the, the Urban School Food Alliance will also lead in trying to look at the process of school procurement. Mm -hmm. How do we do it better? What's more efficient? How do chain restaurants do it? How do colleges and universities do it? Because yeah. they do it better than we do. They have better partnerships. And then how do we open the door to all the small processors like we said we want in? Yeah. We have to find a pathway for them to get in. Why do you think that's it's so different between K-12 and colleges and universities? Like how, how, how come they do it better? Well, some of them are the restrictions we're under, and, yeah. and there are there are nu different nutrition values, uh, nu different nutrition restrictions we are under. Now, I'm a supporter of nutrition standards mm -hmm. because we're also in a K-12 environment where yeah. you're in an education environment. So part of our educational um, obligation, I really believe, is to teach kids what good food looks like. True. And that you can eat healthy, and it's tasty, and it's delicious, and it's wonderful experience. Um, so I do believe that we have to stay the ground, stay the course, and do what's best for kids. Um, but that is, it, it becomes challenging. Mm -hmm. uh, universities and, and colleges don't have to do that. Yeah, they can buy true. different products. Although I will tell you, I'm involved with some of those things through the CIA, some of those organizations, and they're doing some really good stuff as well. Um, we don't have the time to eat. That's a huge issue in school nutrition. That is not under the USDA's jurisdiction. We worked on that. And that's the Department of Education. But I will tell you that even talking to the Department of Education, that's a local decision. But when you go into schools and they have 11, 12 minutes from bell to bell, even elementary school kids. It's wild. You can't eat a decent meal. You can't prepare a, a beautiful salad bar mm -hmm. and expect kids to take food and eat that. When they have to use the restroom, wash their hands, get a drink of water and get in line. That doesn't work. Yeah. So time to eat is a really big challenge in school meals mm -hmm. that we really don't have any jurisdiction over, and that's frustrating. It's just crazy how much school how much school nutrition programs do with so little. Extremely little. When I was a school nutrition director, we knew how much it cost to go through one rack through the dishwasher <laughs> because we knew had to know what the chemical cost was. How much chemical do we use in a in a period of time, and then we would average that out. You would fill that dish rack. You didn't throw that dish rack through that dishwasher. It cost me to heat the water. It cost me to maintain the dish machine. It cost me for the labor standing there to push that rack through the dish machine. And it cost me for the chemicals. That's probably one of the most expensive parts of your program. And if you don't know how much it cost you to use your chemicals, then I think you have a real management problem. 
but you're down to half pennies, literally. Man. And so the cost of, you have to pay for all of these other things ahead of time, and then you get to food. <laughs> and the food gets to be very, you don't have and the food left. is why we're there. <laughs> yes, exactly. It, absolutely exactly why we're there. And so we have to make sure that we begin to think this through and value these programs better. The federal reimbursement rate is too low for a five-component meal. It's just too low if you want to pay people a reasonable, livable wage. Yeah. We have to put value to these programs, and then we'll be able to change some of that. So do you guys do anything to help educate maybe people that are new to the industry on all these things? Like, I would have never thought about chemicals being a huge expense for a school district. Like, do you guys help or work with smaller school districts or different communities to educate them? You know, we're the Urban School Food Alliance, so we're the largest districts, but yeah. all of our information trickles down. Mm -hmm. The grant we have with USDA is about all school districts and procurement from all districts. 18 out of my 23 years of a school nutrition director was in a district of 1,700 kids in rural Wisconsin. So I get this, yeah. and I get the small school district. Um, and so, yes, everything on our website is free of charge. Mm -hmm. we, have, we don't even make you register on the website. You can go and access all of our exemplary practices. <laughs> we don't use the word best practices anymore. Yeah. It's exemplary practices. All the good ideas, all the great things they're doing, all of our resources for procurement, they're all on the website at urbanschoolfoodalliance.org, and anybody can access them. It's open to the public. And so, the, yes, the goal is to trickle down, to help people anywhere, everywhere. I'm headed to Alaska t next week for their state conference, to speak at their state conference. Uh, and so talk about small rural school districts. Yeah. Um, we do anything for everybody, uh, mostly by the website, but if people ask for help, we're definitely ready to, to help and to lend a hand and, and give some expertise. So I heard about this thing that you started a few years ago called Team Ups. You guys gonna bring those back? Team Up is a great peer-to-peer -peer management program, an education program, and I did create that when I was at the Institute of Child Nutrition, and it's still there, and so it is a wonderful experience. So that's part of our grant. Okay. We will be doing Team Ups all over for any size district, but we're going to go to specific topics in procurement. You know, we used to have an eight-hour procurement training, and you would be going, <laughs> but, you know, that's a lot of jargon, that's a lot of information. So we're, we really believe in specific topics. If you want to talk about forecasting, let's dig in. So Team Up is a short panel presentation from experts. So we're going to do forecasting. We're going to have a food service director that does it well, mm -hmm. a distributor, and a manufacturer as to why it's important to do forecasting if you want to do business with us. Yeah. And we want to do business with you. Mm -hmm. So there's a short presentation. And then there's questions and answers. But the people that are participants bring their own menus, their own bids, all their own information with them because they know the topic. We do a little pre-work before the meeting. Then they'll spend the day with those experts and other trainers in the room, and they will actually help write their own forecasting, their, develop their own forecasting system for their district. And so they'll go home with something concrete, but they also work in pairs. So they got a buddy now to call yeah. because the very first thing I did when I walked into my first rural school district in western Wisconsin was call a really good friend of mine from college who was in a larger district in Wisconsin, thank goodness, and I said, Mary Jo, I don't know how to write a bid. Can you send me one? Yeah. And she did. Yeah. And it's how I learned. How I learned. I learned from my peers. Yeah. And I need to have somebody to call. I don't want to, I don't want to call the state necessarily. I don't want to alert people that I'm learning how to do this, <laughs> exactly. right? Exactly. But having a peer say, you know what, I, I get that. I've been through that. 
Mm -hmm. That's what Team Up's all about. And yes, that is a very big part of this grant. So you would so they're actually going there to solve their problems and not just get lectured to. Say, solve their own problems. It's completely interactive. The the whole presentation is never more than a full a one hour out of the whole day. The rest then is just those experts in the room, and we have all kinds of activities for them to do based on the topic, whether it's writing a bid, mm -hmm. writing a specification, doing a forecast. How do you forecast that kind of thing? Making sure you're drawing down your USDA foods. There's going to be all different topics. Yeah. And whether we're going to work closely with state agencies, uh, state SNAs, and so what is the topic you want? And then we'll get the experts there, and then that's the topic. And when you walk out, you're going to have some concrete information about your specific district mm -hmm. and how to proceed on that topic. That is awesome. So I have, a, I have to ask you, um, with the level of leadership that's within the Urban School Food Alliance, in terms of the members, they're all pretty accomplished. Are they? as competitive with each other as they are accomplished. Because I know school districts work together, but, but nothing wrong with friendly competition. These folks are <laughs> so competitive, but it's simple competition. I will tell you, I've never seen a group of people, uh, as long as I've been in this career, and school nutrition people are always willing to share, but these folks in the Urban School Food Alliance, they come to each other's aid. We saw it during COVID. They asked for weekly membership calls instead of monthly ones. I thought, who wants to add three yeah, meetings, meetings? A, a month? They were on it. How do you, what box do you use that fits on a pallet for putting a week's worth of food for a family of four? One of the districts discovered a box that works beautifully, shared it. Um, Monique Roll from Baltimore City Schools, I, I love to call her out because she's amazing. She decided to figure out how, what kind of produce to put in one single bag and get a produce company to do it for her that met the requirement for a family of four, both fruit and vegetables. It's now part of the DOD, Department of Defense list okay Whoa. this is how high level these folks are but she shared it immediately and the rest of them picked up on it right yeah but we come to a meeting and we have tabletop booths and we have a little contest because we want them to go visit the vendors we have there yeah and we give a ten dollar gift card to starbucks or something right <laughs> omg i'm telling you they are competitive <laughs> against each other to get to all those booths one time one of the booths didn't one of the vendors wasn't there but they were on the list and I had a couple of directors so upset <laughs> because they want to make sure they got their signature on that thing. Yeah. Um, and it's only because they, they do really care and they don't like to be called out. Mm -hmm. um, so it is, it, it is really interesting because when it's fun things, and we always do some kind of team building activity where they get on little teams and, oh boy, their team is diehard. <laughs> They're going to win. In, in uh, Palm Beach, uh, in the beginning of February, we're going to have a sand bucket Relay race at the reception. Oh, man, that sounds like fun. And, oh, they're already getting ready, right? They want to know, what do we have to put in the bucket? So they're going to practice. I can't tell you what you have to put in the bucket. Yeah. That's part of the game, right? So it's really, really fun because it's fun, fun competition. But when it push comes to shove and somebody's got this issue or this challenge, they are confidential with one another. They can share whatever they want. It'll never go anywhere. They are all there to support. When a natural disaster happens, so many emails fly to that director saying, we're here, what do you need? Yeah. We'll come and help. I mean, anything. Yeah. And it is, it's, it, it is, it's just an honor to work for them. Don't you guys have an innovation award too that you do among we the have, members? We have, that's right, that's where you're talking about competition. <laughs> so we started our September meeting, our banquet. We have an innovation award. And it only came because we needed to do something in the banquet so it wasn't boring. Mm -hmm. And so we, our team, our staff, our, my staff and I dreamed this up one day. We're going to have an innovation award. You get 10 minutes. You may not use any technology whatsoever. 
It's kind of like a TED Talk, but we can't call it a TED Talk. Mm -hmm. So it's an innovation award, and you have to come up and you have to showcase. You can use props. Some of them bring a whole suitcase full of props. <laughs> and you have to do an innovation award, share an innovation in your district. But you only have 10 minutes. And the competition is stiff. <laughs> the very first year we did it, they, some of them thought, well, we're not, we're not doing all this. Yeah. So they weren't really ready. And then we brought out this beautiful little crystal award, and it's a traveling award. You don't get mm -hmm. to keep it. And they were so excited. We had people writing their idea on a napkin because they were going to present it. Yep. And they did. And people you didn't think were going to present. Yeah, it was it. hilarious. It was so competitive that directors that said they weren't going to get involved, they were like, all right, I, I see this person doing this. Now i got to go talk about what I have to talk about. I have something to share. It's, yeah. They all thought, well, we don't have anything that innovative. And then when they saw what was going on, they thought, well, we really do have something yeah. to share. We do require them ever so often to share a best practice. Mm -hmm. So they're used to that, only they get to have a PowerPoint for that. Mm. This one was just you and us and a few of your props. Yeah. And so yeah, now it's coveted. <laughs> it is the coveted award. Uh, Philadelphia took it home the first year. Orlando took it home the second year. Mm -hmm. Philadelphia, we allowed them to keep the award because of the inaugural yeah. award. Yeah. Uh, Orlando will have to give it up in September. Yeah. And now we started to do some uh, 12 tabletops of innovative vendors. So it can be technology. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's food. One time we did just commodity groups. Yeah. Uh, but all innovative ideas for school nutrition. We did an equipment theme one one year. And so we give them, the, the members, vote for innovation as well. We don't want to see the status quo. Mm -hmm. We want to know, what are you showing restaurants? you showing colleges and universities yeah let us decide if it works in school food service don't make that decision for yeah. us and we have seen some very innovative things I know when we did the equipment themed uh, tabletops they couldn't bring in pieces of equipment so they had to do it on their computers or just the explanation or PO, point of sale and we saw some of the most innovative pieces of equipment and a lot of it was we didn't think you would use this because we the colleges and universities use this we do a lot of the same kind of food service all around the building yeah. and in kiosks. And now we're talking about we want kiosks where we can order, like the fast food chains do. Yeah. So what's out there? Mm -hmm. We had a guy that came with temperature controls for your coolers and freezers and even your serving units, where that temperature every hour was spitting out a report at the general ma the manager's computer. And yeah. We'll use that equipment. Let us decide that. So now the, they get an innovation award as well. Uh, but our, our members, they're already preparing for next September. <laughs> I'm sure they are. I'm sure they are. So earlier you mentioned your staff. So what does your internal staff look like? Who are they? Well, I am absolutely a very, very lucky person because I did the first year by myself mm -hmm. and thought, oh, my goodness, I have got to do something about this. Uh, and so the very first person I brought on board was Jeremy West, food service director from Colorado. Uh, director in Greeley and then the operations director for Jeffco. Uh, worked for an equipment company for a while, worked with a lot of food co-ops, now works for a sustainable small food co-op, uh, food a sustainability nonprofit as well. He's on their board of directors. Uh, has a master's degree in organizational leadership. Couldn't ask for a better guy. And a voice like an angel. And, and he sings. Yeah, he's a karaoke guy. So thank goodness because I don't do karaoke. But, but you um, dance though. I, I dance. You dance. He, he sings, I dance. Um, no, it, I was just super, I hired him as a consultant, and within three months he was a full-time employee. So I was very, very fortunate that he was available to jump on board. 
his organizational leadership skills are amazing. And now with his master's, it's, it's really an amazing help. His soft skills are wonderful. I'm yeah. kind of a, a type A. He's very good at soft skills. You're type A? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> um, and then the next thing we knew, we needed a director of procurement. Yeah. And we put out the, the job description and posted it. And we had a lot of applicants for that. And Jill Kidd just rose to the top. Uh, she's our registered dietitian on staff as well, master's degree as well. She ran a school district of Pueblo, Colorado for 36 years, started some food co-ops in Colorado, is very connected with procurement. I thought I knew a lot about procurement. Then I got to know Jill Kidd. <laughs> and I've known her for, for a long time. Yeah. But Jill, Jeremy, and I have been colleagues for a very long time, which also helped because yeah. we work remote. Uh, but she is amazing when it comes to procurement. She understands it. She gets it. She also has a very good skill set to work with vendors and not give them promises, mm. which is hard. So I would imagine every vendor wants to talk to Jill. Everybody wants to be in front of the Urban School for Life, yeah. right? We're the largest 19 districts in the country. Yeah. So, but she's extremely good. And there too, she vets that for our tabletops. It's not just everybody and anybody. It's mm -hmm. who's innovating. Yeah. Who's working towards new nutrition standards where we're going? Who's reducing sugar? Who's got innovative equipment? Who's good in technology? Who's doing something new in technology? Mm -hmm. So who's flexible that if a district needs something in technology, they're willing to work with the district? Yeah. And so, again, we just struck it lucky. She rose to the top. She retired from Pueblo, but was still interested in working. She's full-time. She didn't take any rest time, yeah. right? So. Uh, amazing. I feel like there's a trend among you, among you directors. You guys retire, but you never really retire. No. You always come back and do something Still else. Stay active, right? <laughs> and then we have two full-time or two part-time people. One is David Buchard, and we were also we got him. We we had a little struggle with an administrative assistant. They work in our DC office, but again, it's all remote. We're not around, mm -hmm. so they have to have really good skills. They have to have good soft skills. They have to have good computer skills. They have to be able to work on their own. They have to be able to have vision to see what is it we need. Dr. Wilson, I know you're traveling, but don't forget this. Mm -hmm. All these things are happening. And so uh, we went through two administrative assistants in a couple of years. It didn't work out very well. Yeah. It was a little bit of a disaster for a while. And then I thought, I'm not posting this job again. I need somebody with some really good skills. Mm -hmm. And he was highly recommended um, from the uh, ASBO, the Association of oh, School Business Officials. Cool friend of his that works for ASBO that I highly respect. She said, Katie, I have somebody, he's a really good friend, and he's got, he's exactly what you need. And absolutely exactly what we need. He's been wonderful. He'll be with us a year in April. Okay. So that's been great. Uh, but uh, before that, we also hired a part-time IT manager mm -hmm. and worked for the University of Pennsylvania or Penn State for many years in the library. His IT skills are incredible. Yeah, he's smart. He is he's super smart. He's so smart. Uh, and now he is finishing an, a de another degree. He has a degree. He's finishing another degree in IT specialization. So very lucky. He likes part-time. He's a student mm -hmm. the other part-time. Yeah. Because he works remote as well. And he keeps us on <laughs> our toes. He does. Right now, he says, all right, team, it's the new year. It's time to change all your passwords. Oh, please, oh, gosh, no, that's Lev. the worst. Yeah, like, Lev, please, no, you got to do this. And you know what? I'm going to do it with each one of you individually <laughs> to make sure you're doing it. Yeah. And so very fortunate. We had some real issues with our website because we had a company that was running our mm. website, and they raised their price ridiculously expensive. Yeah. And Lev said, 
I can take that inside. I can do that internal. Yeah. That's not any big deal. Yeah. And he did. And he did a beautiful job of transforming it. No one even knew he changed. Mm -hmm. He was able to do it piece by piece. And you know, he does all these backups so that if anything oh, yeah, that's, crashes, that's he's got it all. And yeah. He's got all our computers 100% backed up. And he makes us back up on hard drives every so often. Mm -hmm. I, he's got us going on. Good. Um, so <laughs> he's got it all under control for us. And he does a beautiful job on the website. He created the intranet for us okay. to, to work uh, yeah. inside the organization, which has been really helpful. Mm -hmm. I thought you were going to say metaverse. Um, uh, no, yeah, we're not there yet, right? So. You said innovation. <laughs> but wait, I can't wait to tell him that I won a prize at the general session at SNIC for explaining the app I have on my phone that makes my life easier. Really? And I was one of two in that whole crowd that won a prize That's awesome. because of my app. Okay. And he will be proud of me. He will be proud of you. I'm proud of you. <laughs> so we're, we're really excited. And now we just brought on a brand new employee. She'll start January 29th. Okay. Part of the grant, we got to hire a full-time employee to manage the grant. Yeah. And so Dottie Arnold um, is a she is a project manager. Yeah. And we will be. And she's from Colorado. So <laughs> I, I got another Colorado. You got a thing for Colorado, don't you? <laughs> and so um, she will be coming on full time, the 29th. So we are small, but we are very mighty. And I'm really proud to say, Marlon, that funders really want to know how much money you're spending in overhead. And our audit for 2023, 2022, sorry, 2022, our audit showed that we spend 80% of every dollar on programming. Mm. and only 20% on overhead. That's amazing. And so I have a team that is dedicated, that works really hard. Yeah. We don't have high salaries. We yeah. have very little bit, as when we talk about benefits, we mm -hmm. have very little in benefits because yeah. we're a small nonprofit. Yeah. They're all saying we can make this work. That's great. So it's wonderful. So how can people learn more about Urban School Food Lines? How can they donate if they want to donate? We would appreciate donations. Yeah. Uh, we do not take money from large, you know, from food vendors mm -hmm. per se. We do do these little tabletops once or twice a year. Yeah. There's a small fee charged for that, but otherwise we, we um, don't ask for any kind of uh, sponsorships or anything like that. But then we really count on monthly donations of a hundred dollars, yeah. fifteen dollars, whatever it is. You go to urbanschoolfoodalliance.org, all one word, urbanschoolfoodalliance.org. There's a big donate button. We would appreciate any donations. We have a lot of family foundations that'll break, that'll give us $10,000 a year or something mm -hmm. like that. But then we have, we're really trying to build our donation list of those 10 and 15 and $25 a month yeah. donors, the yeah. reoccurring donors. Yeah. And so we really appreciate that. And that all goes towards the work, 80 cents of every dollar. That's goes awesome. towards, towards the work of trans, uplifting our collective voice yeah. to transform school meals. Yeah, I think people should really uh, make the effort to follow you guys on social media as well too, to really see how you guys are out there getting your hands dirty and like they have a chance to watch you guys make a difference and fight for change in school nutrition through social, through social media. So people should definitely go out there and do that as well. I appreciate that. If we can yeah. get more followers, we have a social media trend. Mm -hmm. We do the social media chats with uh, you know the, the Moms Rising, all these other organizations. She'll yeah. do the Twitter chats or whatever that is, the X, now it's X, right? Yeah. Um, so we're out there, we have a social media person. Mm -hmm. uh, but we are, the one unique thing about the Urban School Food Alliance, we are the directors on the ground. Mm -hmm. They're taking your ideas and your thoughts and your um, visionary things and they're they're saying let's see if this is practical let's see if it's logistical yeah and they can make it happen and so and 4.3 million children a day are impacted in their meals that they're being served the kind of food they're being served yeah. 
the communities that were opening doors for small local producers yeah. to support those communities yeah. financially, um, we're, the, we're on the ground. Yeah, mm, that's amazing. Well, Katie, it's always a pleasure hanging out with you and talking with you. I'm kind of sad you didn't wear your uh, your hat from the other night <laughs> for the interview. You can say it, Marla. It's called <laughs> a cheesehead. It's okay. Cheese head. That's my portable one. It's not the <laughs> you have, real thing. You have multiples? Well, I have the real thing. Okay. And it's made of foam, and it's about this big. <laughs> now, I have brought it to, to the conference before. Yeah. But one time I was in a uh, baggage claim, and a guy came up to me, and he just invaded my space and he squeezed it oh, and he no. said I've always wanted to touch one of these and I said excuse me <laughs> don't touch that I have to put my beer in there <laughs> and the poor guy just about passed out cold yeah so now it was great at a Wisconsin School Nutrition Association show one of the vendors gave out these little uh, foam portable ones yeah. you can take it apart it lays flat so th it was my portable <laughs> I will uh, share my large real one someday. When I I'm going to have to share a picture of you in your portable cheese hat. That would be fine. The podcast. I, I'm, I'm not embarrassed. <laughs> I know. We know I, you're not. I support not. my team. Yes, you Winning do. or losing, it's my team. You, and, uh, you were the loudest person there watching that game. Imagine. Yeah. But Shocker. it's the Packers, the youngest team in the NFL. Yeah. All you need is love. <laughs> love. Love is all you need. <laughs> Uh, Katie, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. And if you guys want to learn more about her, you can watch the first episode we did called Street Cred and make sure you check out their website and them on social media. They're doing all sorts of really cool, amazing, innovative things, feeding 4.3 million students a day. Crazy. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>